Josh Neighbors here on today's Locked On Nationals podcast. It is Wednesday, October 14th, 2020. Today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com for the best prices on parts for your car or truck. On today's show, it is our third base postseason position breakdown. And joining me to do it is Max Raymond from District On Deck. We talk all things about the current Nationals third base situation this season and what it will look like going forward. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Locked On Nationals podcast today. Joining me, it is Max Raymond from District On Deck. And Max, you are here for our third third base postseason position breakdown and uh, a whole lot to get to. Definitely the most interesting of the Nationals positions to talk about. But before we get to that, news broke over the weekend that Chip Hale and Kevin Long are out for the Nationals and they will be the second and third uh, coaches to not return to the staff that were once on the, that were on the 2019 World Series uh, winning staff. Paul Menhart being a third of the pitching coach. Just want to know what you make of the moves. From my perspective, it is one of those where it looks like management, you know, two things in my opinion. One, management wanted the way, you know, they wanted, I guess, somebody to scapegoat and wanted to change something. And two, it was kind of also a nice outlet to allow them for Davey Martinez to finally pick his own staff because uh, he had not picked his staff previous to this. So I think those two things combined, and that's why you're seeing, you know, the key parts of a World Series winning staff now on the move. What do you think? Second off, I found it interesting. Paul Menhart was gone. That one very, really surprised me because he was the only one that uh, Dave Martinez brought in himself. And then Kevin Long, from what I've read, is it might have been a mutual decision. He might have already been deciding he wanted to leave when his contract came up. I'm not sure how true that is, but I read that on a few different um, outlets. Chip Hale, on the other hand, as you said, it's just a decision he's finally trying to make his staff. I am shocked by these decisions because they won it all in 2019. I thought if he was going to fire any of them, it would have been after 2018, the first year with the team when they missed the playoffs completely. But then he rang it back. It went well. Uh, we missed the playoffs this year because of numerous reasons, mostly injuries. So it was a little puzzling. But I am very intrigued to see how he puts together his own staff to see – the difference between uh, who was it, Dusty's team and his new team. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, curious is the one word I think I, I would say for who he's going to bring in. I'm, I'm not saying I hate the move, but and, and like you said, yeah, there were some extenuating circumstances for why the guys, you know, why each guy was gone. But Chip Hill was the one that was, it was like pretty explicit. I mean, I, I saw, you know, he, he talked to, I believe it was the Washington Post and said, you know, I don't want to go somewhere where I'm not wanted. Right. And so it's, you know, it, it seemed like that one was the one that were, there was a real split. Kevin Long, right, with the contract coming up. But that's kind of normal, right? You know, bench coaches usually don't, you know, the, the secondary coaches, uh, the auxiliary coaches, if you will, they don't usually have those long term, long term contracts. And then, yeah, Paul Menhart obviously came in, you know, after Derek Lilliquist got the act midseason and, you know, he was with what Nationals for a while, but Dave Martinez picked him and brought him up. So curious uh, about the move. I understand the reasons why I'm, I'm not saying there's no justification. I'm just, 
I just don't know if, if a 60 game season where injuries were kind of the reason why, like you said, they didn't make as much headway as they wanted to. I'm not really sure if that was the, if that's good enough justification to ch- also, it's not like fans were calling. It's not like, you know, Nats fans were begging for change, right? There were, there were no Nats fans out here who were like desperate to get those guys out. I did see in the beginning of the season on Twitter some outcries for Kevin Long because the offense was so bad, but I didn't blame him. If anything, he improved their offense two years ago when he came in and started implementing um, launch angle for everyone. So I'm pretty upset to see him go, pretty upset to see Menhart go. I'm impartial on uh, Chip Hale, but as you said, we'll see if his decisions pay off because now, as you as you said earlier, it's his full. It, he's finally getting all the every chance to make his team built around him. He's being handed the rest of the reins he wasn't initially uh, allowed to have. So intriguing. All right, so let's get to third base now. And uh, for the Nationals this season, boy, it was not good. Out of uh, out of the fifteen teams in the National League, Washington was thirteenth in terms of batting average. They had five players play third base at various points of time during the season. Josh Harrison, Carter Keeboom, Estrubal Cabrera, Brock Holt, Wilmer Defoe. The two guys who got the lion's share of the work were Carter Keeboom and Estrubal Cabrera. And neither of them, I mean, during their stints playing third base, they both hit 200. The reason why this average as a team jumped, actually it jumped up to 204 was because in 26 bats at bats, at third base, Josh Harrison hit 364. Um, my first question is, you know, the big question coming into the season was, what is the Nationals' third base situation? Who is going to be playing third? And at the end of the season, you know, long term, did we get any closer to answering that question? What do you think? No. We all know the answer now. Uh, there's even more uncertainty than there was the season before. Carter Keeboom, for me, he he's just puzzling. Entering last season, for me, I, I was um, quoted on saying how his bat would be ahead of his glove because he was struggling immensely in the field, switching over to a completely new position that he wasn't used to. But his bat was already advanced in the, in the minors, and he would be a decent at the plate while, you know, adapting. I thought he'd be a DH. Well, that completely flip-flopped uh, in his – 99 at bats last year he hit 202 well while in third base he had the five defensive runs saved so his skill set immediately just like from what we expected it was just like flipped upside down and that makes it even more difficult because the Nats biggest problem right now is offense we don't have protection for Soto so that's what they're going to go out and get and he doesn't have to be that guy to be protection, but if he can't even consistently get on base, there's no point of having him in the lineup. Asubo Cabrera was just a um, holdover. Josh Harrison is just trying to make a find a fit just to stay in the league. Brock Holt, I hope he stays with the team as a bench player slash utility role, but he's not ready to take over third base for us. So, yeah, I, I have no idea what's going on. I feel even less certain than I did last year. Yeah, it's, it's interesting what they're going to do at third base. I think out of the two utility guys they had this season, I think I'm more comfortable with Harrison just because I think of the spark. The spark that he gives them is, is a bit different. Uh, as you hear, my dog loves to get involved in the podcast. My dog stays quiet until I start 
recording. Then he then he wants to make his uh, his presence known. Um, I like I want them to keep Harrison. Yeah, once again, we're kind of at square one with the key boom thing, right? And yeah. Cabrera, I didn't really want to. I had no desire to see him at third base. It felt like he was playing there more, in my opinion, because Davey Martinez trusted him more. And he told us at the beginning of the season it was going to be Carter Keeboom's position, right? But then, you know, whether it be matchups or whatever, earlier in the season we saw a whole lot of Estrubal Cabrera, and then we saw Keeboom, and then we saw Keeboom get sent down or, you know, get optioned or, uh, you know, sent to the, whatever, the, you know, I guess whatever you want to call it this season. Yeah. And then they brought him back and said, okay, now we're going to get him the reps. Uh, Dave Martinez, for a guy who pulled all the right strings, you know, this, this wasn't like a, a winning campaign. This was a, this was a, like, this was a player development decision, right? And I thought he, he mishandled it as bad as much as you could. Like for a guy who was healthy all year round and was available all year round. And for a team that was it pretty clearly from the get-go, in my opinion, not going to get too far. I, I thought he just mismanaged it. And, and I think there's no other way to kind of look at it, in my opinion. No, I agree. Um, the situation with Carter Kibum kind of cause, um, reminds me of the current situation going on with our football team with Dwayne Haskins and how, he was supposed to be the guy. So he was supposed to give him as many reps as possible. But the second he wasn't the guy, they um, got scared. Instead of letting him develop and having hit those um, growing pains, especially during a 60-game season, they just benched him, sent him down, whatever. And if you're getting pulled up and down, up and down, when you're supposed, you're initially thinking you're the guy at that position or the guy, the quarterback, it messes with your head. And so similar to Haskins, that's what happened with um, Keeboom. And it's not good. So – I'm not saying that we need to get rid of Keebum yet and give him a change of scenery, but if we are going to roll with him next year, they have to give him more than what, like 20 games before they demote him. Yeah. I think the comparison to the football team is a very good one. Um, and like growing pains are expected and this is the time to have them. And now Carter Keebum might have to have them next season as well, too. Not saying it wasn't going to be a thing then, but um, and, and look, I don't think it's all like, it's all Martinez's fault. Keebum was just flat out bad this year. Uh, especially hitting. He was bad. He had a couple important hits, uh, you know, in some wins where, you know, he was, he was a contributing factor, but for the most part, I will say his, his offense wasn't great and his defense did improve towards the end. I think that should be noted, but overall, like, you know, they did not help find the solution. And my, it's going to be my thought that much like the Marlins did, they slid Starlin Castro over to third back in uh, 2019. And that was the first time he played third. And actually it was a a pretty seamless transition for him. I think with Luis Garcia coming on at second, Max, this is a perfect opportunity to get both those bats in the lineup. And for Castro, you know, this, this now gives them some flexibility. Like I think they're in a spot where, you know, if Garcia ends up, his glove is not, you know, it doesn't end up being good enough fielder. They can say, hey, look, we're going to have to – because last year he was just not. Like, that, that level of defense is not going to get it done in the majors. If that persists, they can say, okay, Castro's going to take that second base spot back. And they always have Keyboom to slide in at third. Not ideal, but they could do that. But, but I think there's a good chance that, like, the long-term, you know, or the long-term – I mean, the next season, the solution, what they're going to end up going with is going to be Starlin Castro at third and then Luis Garcia at second. I, I think that's kind of where we're heading because – if Keeboom performs anywhere like he did this season, it's it's not gonna it's he's not gonna be able to persist um, at the major league level. The thing with Starlin Castro, we have to remember is he broke his wrist, so I'm right. not sure if he'll be ready to start the season, which is another 
wrinkle that we have to consider, which right. is unfortunate because we already have way too many to deal with. But it is what it is. So Don Castro's um, health is something we need to keep an eye on. But I agree. He is not the answer at the three hole, but Stalin Castro gets on base. And that's something we struggled with last year outside of Soto and Turner. So another consistent guy that can get on base will help the offense, put him in the two spot, especially with it looks like Eden might not be returning. So we need a new two hitter. And then you have a decent one, two, three, and then you go into free agency to find your power, your power spot. But I agree. Luis Garcia's glove was, he was anemic on defense this past season. It was his first time in the bigs and I, I get that and it got to him, but I hope this offseason all he works on is defense because, as you said, he committed too many errors, cost us multiple games, maybe might have made the playoffs. Don't know. I mean, it's not like we would have gone far, but maybe if those errors and those, if he cleans that up, it helps the overall defense, helps the overall team. I mean, look at Tampa last night. Did you see that game? Yes, I did. And they put on a defensive clinic, and we're the opposite. So we really need to clean up that aspect of the game because defense literally does win championships. Houston could not buy a base hit to save them life. You have people like Renfro and all those guys out there just making diving catch after diving catch. The pitcher was even getting up there. And we're, as I said, we're total opposites of that. So that's what we need to focus on is there is defense. Keyboom did show um, improvements as he only committed three errors, five defensive runs, which was, a thing to note because in his first little stint in the majors the year before he had a negative seven defensive runs saved in a lot less game today's locked on nationals podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are always reliably low rockauto.com always offers the lowest possible price rather than charging what the market will bear like airlines do rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know what we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. rockauto.com. You know, I think with the defense, like Trey Turner's defense was not great either this season. But I think it's important to know that like when you get a bunch of guys who are good defenders and you get them together, like it, it helps. Right. And, and that's, that's why I think with Garcia and with Keyboom, both those guys are too young. And that's why Trey's got to be better in my opinion. But I also think adding a guy like Starlin Castro, a good veteran presence and a guy who's a pretty dependable defender for the most part. That's why I think adding him to the mix will definitely help things defensively. What do you think? I agree. They feel they build off of each other's energy. Um, like a year before 2019 when we won the world series, like Robles was playing gold glove defense. Soto was much improved. Turner was a lot better defensively. Rendon over at the hot corner is making play after play. Like as a whole, they were able to like push each other. Adam Eden had, a, was decent compared to of this season. So it was a lot better. And then you have this year where all these young guys, all these moving parts, a guy playing two games, a guy playing three games, and there was, it was hard to keep them, um, keep the same chemistry on the field because, as I said, all the interchangeable parts really played a factor in how it went this season. Yeah. So, 
my, my final question to you is opening day in 2021 is it Carter Keboom at third? I, I think that's where I'm kind of heading at this point in time, but I feel like waiting in the wings is Castro because you just think about it like Castro's bat with the way the offense was this season was not awful, but that's, you know, if he hit, if he hits the way he did to start off the season, that's not a bat they can afford to have out of the lineup, right? They got to have that bat in the lineup. And so for Keboom, I think it's going to be a short leash. If he ends up even being the guy who starts out at third base, what do you think? I'm not sure because, the free agent market for third base looks very weak, but the trade market, on the other hand, looks very strong. Chris Bryant, Nolan Arenado, but someone who's a lot cheaper when it comes to um, prospects would be Kyle Seeger of Seattle. And he's a proven veteran who would be an upgrade over Keyboom if you don't want to start Keyboom right away. Uh, this past season, he, I mean, he, wasn't really saving runs, unfortunately, negative five defensive runs saved. So his defense took a step back from 2019. But at the plate, he was solid. He hit, I believe, he hit 241, nine homers, 203 at bats, 788 OPS. So he could be a decent six or seven guy if you really want to bring him in. But if you want to make go all in and keep this and try and get another title, and you don't think uh, uh, Keeboom's a guy, Chris Bryant's available. Arenado's available. Unfortunately, both of them. Bryant has one year left before free agency. Arenado has one year left before his opt-out. And I, at this point, I'm convinced he's going to opt-out, which is a major factor. Maybe they'd trade for him and they proved to him that he should just stay in D.C. and opt-in. But then again, that brings up the conversation from a year ago. If you're going to pay him all that much money, why won't you just give it to Rendon initially? And I know that's going to tear the fan, the fan base in half, which we don't need right now. So I think if Castro is healthy, he's going to start opening day. But I don't think he's going to be healthy yet. So I do think the starter is going to be Kiboom. This offseason, he saw what he needs to work on, and he's been up and down, and he wants to prove that he belongs. So he's going to work on his bat. He's going to work on his fielding. And hopefully this time around, it's like a Lucas Giolito after a year or two. Giolito being this top prospect floundering in the majors. They're like, all right, this is it. He put it all together. So I'm hoping Keeboom could do something similar. Yeah, and I'm with you. I, I think it should be Carter Keeboom. I just think it's it's another one of those things where the leash is going to be shorter than it originally was, right? Like it it, you know, and part of that is Dave Martinez's fault, but I think coming into 2021, it's going to be look, it's your position, but you have like we're gonna give it to you. But the long-term state state of it, you have to earn that. Like if you want it for the whole season, you're gonna have to earn that because there are other, you know, with your bat and with your glove. And I think they've been not super patient, but relatively patient enough with Keebum. I mean, they they have brought him along the right, you know, like this this season withstanding. I think you could say. I would say this this season withstanding. Uh, the track he was on was fine. This this season was messed up. So that's why in 2021. You give him the go-ahead. Now, the problem, the, the really big issue is, like, if this team is able to make a few moves and they actually perform at the level that we think they can, he's going to be, like, the performance this year is going to be um, an issue. Like, if this team gets back to a point where they're winning, you know, they're, they're towards top of the division, they're winning more games, I don't know, unless he turns it around, like, his performance he gave this season, that would not be a part of it, if, if that makes sense. No, I agree. Um and another thing we need Cuban to bounce back for is if we realize he's not the guy, we need him to at least 
build his trade value. You can't have this former top prospect not help you um, receive anything in return if he's ruined all his value. So that's another thing we need to keep an eye on. All right, Max, where can people find your work? You can check me out on Twitter at MaxRaymond1. More importantly, check out the website, District on Deck. We're always covering the Nats, and we've been covering the playoffs as a whole this year. Uh, Thanks for having me back on the show. Always appreciate your time, man.